Welcome back to another episode of Starving Artists. I'm LJ Jones, and I have a very, very exciting episode today. I'd like to welcome to the show the beautiful and incredibly talented Jill Christine Wiley. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for hopping on. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, LJ, and I'm glad we connected. I know. I Let me tell you, I saw you um, in Clearwater uh, when Sound of Music was here. Yeah. Um, and you were wonderful. Thank you so much. Absolutely. To, um, was that full set? Did you get to see our full set with the staircase and all yes. of the wonderful? Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> there sound- were a few instances that it didn't always happen, so that makes my heart very yeah. happy. <laughs> <laughs> the sound of music has always been one of my favorites. Uh, I remember I saw I saw the film um, my in high school. My uh, my literature teacher uh, wanted to show it to us. So uh, I think I was in like ninth or tenth grade, and I loved it ever since. And and that uh, that was my first time seeing it live. And uh, can I tell you the truth? Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I I cried. I, <laughs> I'm emotional. I you know it it, it got me. It got yeah. me. I loved it. You were great. Everybody everybody was great. Everybody was wonderful. Um. So so I, I when I started uh when I had the idea for this podcast, I came up with a list of like my top five people and you were you were in that top five wow thank you so much (laughs) very lovely and and you know you don't you don't ever oftentimes with these tours it's rare that we get to interact with our audience members and hear their feedback and just actually have candid conversation and get in depth so this is a really exciting opportunity and um thanks for thinking of me (laughs) of course absolutely um so every podcast I, i like to start off asking where are you from and what was that moment for you when you realized that you wanted to act for the rest of your life? Sure. So um, I'm from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, um, Amish County, famous whoopie pies. If you've ever had a whoopie pie, not to be missed. Um, and I, I grew up in a very musical household. My dad is a professor of music and has taught jazz musicians for years. He's a trumpet player. Uh, he's actually retiring at the end of this year, which is pretty crazy. So it's been a crazy journey for all of us. Um, And I grew up going to band rehearsals and sitting in the theater of wherever he was hosting for his college bands. And I had a lot of free time on my hands. So I remember listening to the different music that they were playing and, and they would be rehearsing. So they would go back time and time again. And as they went around, I went going on creating my dance choreography and coming up with dance routines in the aisles. And um went to a few concerts here and there but it was mostly a lot of musical broadway soundtracks i grew up on music man and annie and uh king and i different different classics and the rogers and hammerstein and we always had the vs vhs tapes as well um and in lancaster i will say that the arts are very alive and thriving so from community theaters touring venues regional theaters you name it. I mean, there's so, there were so many outlets for me as a, as a child and even more today now, which is pretty incredible. So um, it was a very early age that I decided I wanted to do a play and I had no idea what a musical was and I was a little unsure about that. And uh, I auditioned for a dinner theater here, the Dutch Apple Dinner Theater. And it was for a musical adaptation of the Christmas film Miracle on 34th Street. Yeah. And it was cast as in the movie it's a it's a girl who is deaf and she interacts with santa and he's he 
does ASL with her and communicates with her. And in the musical, it's a girl who speaks Dutch. And so we sing a little duet with Santa. It was very endearing. And after the show closed, I just was like, mom, when can I do another musical? And instead of summer camp, it was theater camp or summer shows. And oftentimes I would go between school and rehearsals or leaving school middle of the day and having to stay up on my academics to go and do a show at a regional theater. And I was a working child actor in, in my hometown. And I just grew up on stage, truly. I mean, I would go from childhood uh, conversations to then going and having to have adult interaction conversations as a kid. So it it matured me and it groomed me for this career from a very young age. So I'm very fortunate to be from here and to have come yeah. from such a great background. That's so exciting. I mean, I, I remember um, we were talking uh, before we started recording. Uh, I, I got my first professional job um, when I was 11 uh, at a dinner theater also. Um, I played Nathan, uh, Nathan Lukowski in The Full Monty. And, um, and well, which is a very adult show as is. Um, but uh, it was the same. Like we we did we did shows. Um, we did a matinee on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then so I was leaving school to go do the show, and and so I could definitely identify with with that. I actually had the opportunity to have um, the original the director of that show on this podcast, um, so we we got to talk about that production and stuff like that. So that's uh, it's really exciting. I feel like I can identify with you on that. Um, so what other, you know, coming from after doing, after doing your first show, what were some of the other shows uh, that you had the opportunity to do? So tag teaming on to Sound of Music, that was a show that has revisited my journey through this industry uh, throughout the years. I then auditioned for a community theater production um, for, and I got cast as Marta in the Sound of Music. Wow. And that experience and that summer I still have memories of and and doing the quick changes as a Von Trapp child and being up on stage rehearsing and just looking up at Maria, just thinking she was the most beautiful and talented Maria there ever was. And which led to a few years later, her then becoming my voice teacher as a child. Wow. And I would I studied with her because I wanted to grow up to be a singer like, like she was. Um, and, you know, I was first introduced to musical theater, I guess, um, also in regards to my dad's jazz bands and whatnot, but my mom took me to my high school alma mater to see a the school spring musical, which was The Sound of Music, and I was preschool, pre-kindergarten, so wow. we didn't know if it would last, if I would make it through an almost three-hour-long show, as it is, yeah. and apparently I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and so... <laughs> Seeing Maria, seeing the kids up on stage, that for me was kind of this moment of, I can do what they're doing. That's just no fear whatsoever. The idea of being up in front of people, I wanted to jump up on that stage. So when I had the opportunity at eight or nine years old to then play Marta, I was just right in my element and was just a sponge soaking it all up. Um, and from there it was mom, can you find a place for me to take dance classes? Can, is there a place that is doing a summer camp? And um, there's, I mean, it was just anytime there were local children auditions, we were in the know and we were having to go. And I was doing homework in the back seat with a flashlight late night, driving home from rehearsal or a show. And um, I had the opportunity as a, as a kid to uh, originate a role for, 
what was to have been a, a hopeful Broadway production of A Little Princess. We are all familiar with that movie and I got to play Sarah Crew in a musical adaptation and meet the, the director. And I think it was about that time frame that I realized this was serious for me. And I think I was about 10, 11, maybe 12 years old at the time. And you, you very quickly in this industry as a child, when you are so dedicated to it, you set goals and bucket list roles. And so Annie was on there and I actually never got to play the role of Annie. I was Essie three different times and I understudied Annie once and I got to go on. Um, it was just as a child, so many different shows are done and you revisit and revisit these different shows and different productions and you grow within them. So, um, which led to being a teenager, I guess, if I can just continue <laughs> speaking about yeah, it. Of course. Uh, um, and, and then transitioning out of the kid roles into the more, well, you can be in the adult ensemble and that is carrying a weight of its own and responsibility as you're, you're expected the same of these adult actors that are hired from New York City and you have to step up to the plate and prove yourself and having the opportunity to understudy different roles and understudy supporting leads as a 17 year old. I mean, it's a big responsibility, but again, that sponge mentality of, I just want to do this. And I remember being in my very first show, asking the adult actors, just trying to comprehend, like, this is your job. You do this for a living. Well, what did you go to school for? Because you have to learn how to do this. How did you get better? And they said, well, I got my BFA in musical theater. And so I came home that night after the show and said, mom, dad, I'm going to be a musical theater major one day. And that the rest is kind of history from there. So. That's amazing. And you went to uh, Pace, right? Pace University? Yes. Yeah. So I was a musical theater major there. Um, and I, I was at Pace from my freshman year to the end of my sophomore year. And while there, we were permitted to audition if we felt that that was something we wanted to um, explore. And there was a touring production of Disney's Beauty and the Beast that had been out for about three years already and was continuing on. And it was my freshman year that I decided to wake up at 4 a.m. and hop on the subway with a few of my friends and go sign an unofficial list at Pearl Studios to see if we could potentially be seen. And I sang eight bars of music. I think I sang, I think I sang Journey to the Past. So the last eight wow. bars of Journey to the yeah. Past. Because I thought I was being smart, not singing an actual Disney song, but in the uh -huh. song, Little did I know that every other girl was probably singing the exact same song, but I was 18 <laughs> at the time, so I didn't know yeah. better. Um, and from there they said, can you come back and dance at three o'clock? And it was just like this light bulb effect of, I'm doing this. And, and this, is, this is the big leagues for me. This is your first experience auditioning for a national tour. And uh, I came back and from there, I continued to audition. I think I had about nine callbacks within the next year of being at school. And it was just a matter of a track opening up. And by the end of my sophomore year, I got a phone call from the casting director saying that they wanted to offer me a role. And I was then faced with the difficult decision of, well, should I be leaving school going into my junior year? Should I be going on this tour? And I spoke to the casting director who is also affiliated with Pace. Mm -hmm. um, and I hadn't had him as a professor yet. And I said, Bob, this is Bob Klein was the casting director. And yeah. he said, I said, what should I do? And he goes, well, the show's gonna be around for only so long, but school will always be there. So right. 
you have to snatch opportunities when they present themselves. And, um, and I was cast as the Bell understudy and I was a dancing spork and napkin and <laughs> talk about beauty in the beast university and, and being a 20 year old growing up on a national tour. And again, asserting that responsibility and, and stepping up to the plate and proving yourself night after night. And it was, I, it was probably the type of training that I didn't know I needed. Mm-hmm. And if I would look back at Jill at 20 years old to the end of the year and being a 21 year old, it, it was just, there was nothing like that experience. I mean, I met some of the most wonderful humans and friends and um, it's just one of those things that changed my life for the better. So I'm um, sure. So before we jump into Sound of Music, which was obviously a national tour, um, speaking on, on Beauty and the Beast, what was that like being on a, on your first national tour? Like, like was, it, was what were the challenges? What what was so exciting about it? Um, it's, it's always been my dream to be on a national tour because it just seems like such a blast. Yeah, and such a well-received show. I mean, sold out right. audiences night after night, which doesn't always happen for some mm-hmm. tours. Um, little girls dressed up in bell dresses, little boys dressed up in bell dresses. I mean, everyone came to see their favorite Disney heroine. And um, it it was just one of those shows that I knew I wanted to be a part of. I actually had played bell in high school for my sophomore year spring musical. And so when the tour came around, it was, it was a no brainer that I was like, well, I'm, I'm meant somewhere in me. I knew I was meant to do that. And it was just yeah. a matter of time, callback after callback and working one-on-one with the director. I felt like I was in rehearsals and was like preparing mm-hmm. myself for this time. Um, and the rehearsal process for that was about two weeks in New York city, the blisters that I had, the <laughs> aches and pains and my muscles of how hard we were working it paid off and it was all worth it for sure. Um, and as far as, you know, the responsibility of an understudy, there's a little, it's a little daunting and there's nothing like it. Mm-hmm. The first time I went on for Bell, I had never rehearsed act one. So wow. that <laughs> watching <laughs> and waiting in the wings mm-hmm. and watching our Bell, um, it, she really taught me a lot from the wings and watching the monitors and just being like, okay, so here she moves on to this mark at this point, but also the artistry of the role and, and making sure you're conveying to the audience who this, this character is and what she stands for. Um, I got the call at about 7 a.m. after a very rough travel day that we had been having. Uh, we ran into snowstorms. Uh, our bus got into a little bit of an accident. Everybody was okay. But it was about that time in the winter where people were falling under the weather and needed to be smart and taking care of themselves. And our bell had called out of the show for that day. And um, I got the call from my stage manager standing in a hotel lobby waiting to get on the bus to drive another two hours to get to the venue to perform. And I remember just, I was told not to tell anyone and they would announce it at company meeting and i was on the bus with our dance captain going through the show and because i had never again rehearsed act one but there was something in me that just felt ready and i had done my homework and and had prepared myself to the best of my ability because when someone is out of the show it's usually not a good thing right someone is ill something has happened there may have been a death in the family for whatever reason and thankfully it was just 
mildly under the weather. Let's try to nip this in the bud and and get back on the in the show. So it was an easy thing to be like, okay, the stakes are low for that. Now we can take care of the show and move forward and let's let's really live in this moment. And I actually got a phone call minutes before going on stage from uh, the director and he said, do you have any questions? How do you feel? And um, we did work with the original Broadway creative team. So there was a lot of insight of we were doing certain motions or, or poses that would happen throughout the show or marks that we had a hit. I was doing knowing that Susan Egan, who originated the role on Broadway, how many years ago, had also done those moves. So, and also, Beauty and the Beast was the first show that I saw on Broadway. So it was really surreal wow. for me to then be like, I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, and when my director called, he said, you know, of all the women that have played this role on the national tours or on Broadway, I just want you to know, you are your own kind of history in this moment. You are the youngest Belle we've ever had to play Belle. And I remember wow. just getting so misty-eyed. <laughs> full of pride and, and, and also like a sense of responsibility again, and just was thankful for my teachers and the people that prepared me for this moment and, and the cast that was supporting me. Um, and I also knew in that moment, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about taking care of this show and being the, the, the leader. Um, and that was a responsibility I had never had before to that caliber. And something in me just, just stepped on stage and it and it it happened. I mean, there was some little like tunnel vision, Twilight Zone moments, but we got through it. And I just remember at one point I had just sung home mm -hmm. and Mrs. Potts comes on stage and I'm doing the scene. And for the first time I hear her address me as Belle. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> I got this kind of goofy grin on my face because I was like, that's me. I'm, I'm hurt. My, what? <laughs> and kind of sensed that too. And, and we yeah. continued on and, um, you know, it happened. Yeah. And I was very grateful for the opportunity. And ironically, I did go on a few other times throughout mm -hmm. the year after, but ironically, some sort of Disney magic happened where I knew someone in the audience, each performance, unknowingly, wow. <laughs> uh, parents of one of my father's co-workers was there because they lived in that city and they had tickets mm -hmm. to see the show and they're like Jill Wiley isn't that Keith Wiley's daughter and so <laughs> it just kind of happened that way and I had friends that had come seeing the show another time that I had gotten them tickets last minute and finding out a few hours after that that I was going on and I didn't tell them and it was just exciting when they heard the announcement for the yeah. first time so it was quite an amazing experience and it's just irreplaceable, you know, it's memories yeah. that shape you. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And and I'm sure it just strengthens you so much as an actress as well. Yes, um, sure. So, a lot of lessons so, learned too, for sure. I mean, absolutely. it grooms you to be prepared for this industry <laughs> and anything can happen in live theater, so. So shortly after, or however long after, uh, you were found for two years where the hills are alive uh, with the sound of music. Um, yes. How long after Beauty and the Beast was that? Well, there's an interesting gap where I, I took a look at my resume and thought, this currently reads ensemble understudy cover. And I knew personally from my background and experience that 
longevity, I didn't think that's where I wanted my career to be. I what, mm -hmm. didn't feel that I was as strong of a dancer as some of the other girls that I was with. I mean, I really had to work hard. I was in brush up rehearsals before or after and was beating myself up. And I was worried about injuring myself in the long run uh, yeah. because I saw myself as a, a strong lead who sings and acts that can dance well, not I am a dancer, you, you know, you, yeah. you kind of right. categorize yourselves in different ways. And I knew who I was in that industry and where I wanted my career to go. And um, it was about, it was a year after Beauty and the Beast till I actually booked work. And I went a full year with no theatrical employment. I was nannying in New York City and auditioning and trying to take class and fulfill my artistry in whatever way I could. Right. Um, and I had booked regional work. So I, I was offered another Disney princess. I played Ariel in Disney's The Little Mermaid. And from mm -hmm. that theater, I worked at Arizona Broadway Theater in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. From there, I played Carrie Pipperidge in Carousel, which is my second, I guess, but first adulthood uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein show to work through. Uh, and then I played Belle again at Arizona Broadway. So I had the opportunity to assume the role of Belle for a regional yeah. contract. And in building my resume and major kudos to this theater who, you know, gave me the opportunity time and time again to come back as a, as a leading lady or supporting lead. I truly feel it prepared myself in those about five years span since yeah. I had left Feeding the Beast tour to auditioning for The Sound of Music. And I had been searching for representation. I, I have a manager now and through, through him, um, I was able to get an audition for The Sound of Music national tour. And I had thought I was a Liesl and I was very wrong. <laughs> and so I was like, Maria, okay. oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. This is, she is, she is the girl to be. And I had about, five callbacks for that role and including some work sessions with the creative team. And my final producer callback for that was in the spring of 2017. And I didn't think I got it. I, I had been auditioning for the Love Never Dies national tour, Phantom of the Opera national tour and Gentleman's Guide all in the same week. And by the time Sound of Music rolled around, I was so vocally fatigued that I just, I was, here we go. But I didn't think that I got it. And, um, Little did I know that they even had nicknamed me in the audition process. They called me Shoeless Jill because every time I came into this audition, I just knew that I knew who I was after establishing my resume a bit more and I just wanted to take chances. And I knew that if I was going to get this role that I had to be completely and utterly myself and fully you know, yeah. transparent what I would do with the role. And so I kicked my shoes off and I sang and per danced around barefoot every time I sang <laughs> Sound of Music. And I would slip my shoes back on for the scene work, yeah. you know, more put together <laughs> versions. And they called me Shoeless Jill. And something about that was, I guess, endearing. Yeah. And they- but that's something Maria would do too. It is something Maria will do. Well, <laughs> and then, you know, this song is, I think singing The Sound of Music is just as hard mm -hmm. as singing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's very meditative, and it's not necessarily as dramatic as sometimes it can be perceived to be. And mm -hmm. also to follow up Julie Andrews <laughs> and <Yeah>. the <laughs> other iconic women who have played the role on Broadway before me. And the I was now one of three of the women who have played the role on the tour. So there was a lot of expectation to live up to. So I knew I had to be as organic as possible and just fully mm -hmm. me. And something about that 
resonated with the director and I was their girl and I was really grateful to be. So we started rehearsals in, in the summer and it was, I had been going off earlier in the summer to do Disney's Beauty and the Beast. And then I had about a week off and I then started rehearsals in New York for two, three weeks. And then we were off to Washington, the state of Washington and Yakima, Washington to tech the show for a week and have previews before we opened at the Paramount in Seattle for an unbelievable week that I, I had ne could never have dreamt of, of uh, opening right. a national tour as a leading lady. I mean, talk about spectacular and just mm -hmm. incredible. Um, and, you know, um, it was just one of those opportunities that as an actor is rare. When I was sitting, I just found, I had gotten the call and I was sitting in my living room with my boyfriend and I was packing for a summer show. And then he kind of said to me, Jill, you will have a week between contracts. And for the next 18 months or so, or 14 months, yeah. you're employed as an actor. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I'm never going to have to be a nanny again. <laughs> <laughs> funny, funny joke is I got to play a, a governess to seven children. Right. <laughs> on the so it was a very kind of just, this is happening, surreal moment. Yeah. You have to celebrate those moments. I think we as actors Absolutely. sometimes forget to do that. And yeah. um, they're worth celebrating for sure. So <laughs> That's amazing. And you know, um, I think some like a lot of audiences may not realize uh, you, you mentioned you were in rehearsal for three weeks and that that's about the, the, the right amount from a lot of shows to it's always crazy to me how, how, how a show can be put together and perfected in, in such a short amount of time. Um, and, and, and then just kind of being thrusted uh, on stage for opening night to do it. And, and, you know, of course you have tech week, which is, is a whole other, thing in itself which is kind of just long and in my opinion dreadful uh but they say tech is fun and it's the opportunity to find how many ways things may or may not work yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. and as maria i think we ended up clocking it in the second year of the tour that that i had done on the second leg and i think i had about 18 minutes to 20 minutes that was time off stage and it's all but a three hour long show. So yeah. imagine that drawn out yeah. in the tech process. But, mm. I, and I said this in interviews time and time again, I mean, what do you do when you're tired or things are, you know, mm. nerves are a bit fried. And I always said, and we'll continue to do so to look to the children because they're mm. in school full time. I've been there. I can relate to them on that aspect. I've been in their shoes and, mm. um, it was just one of those things, well, if they're tired, if I'm tired, I can only imagine how tired they are. Right. And I would use them as motivation. And when I would see them fading, I remember very vividly in Tech Week, we're in the midst of the lonely goat herd scene, which is the pajama scene. They're in Maria's bedroom and there's a thunderstorm. It's a little out of context from the movie, but in the original Broadway production, that's, that's where the song fit into place and it works beautifully. And they were all just sitting on the bed staring into space. And, and I was like, hmm, we need to get them activated again. And as Maria would have, you know, how, let's play a game. And I remember we're going on a trip and I'm going to bring a picnic basket and I'm going to bring on Landon who played Friedrich. And I said, Landon, what are you bringing on our picnic? And it just kind of woke up their imagination. Yeah. And, 
and on we went. So not only was I trying to entertain mm -hmm. the children, but also keep myself moving and grooving. So it was a process for sure, but memories that I'm not yeah. in a hurry to forget for sure. So it was right. worth it in the long run. They, they always say that um, to never work with uh, animals or children, and, and you work with quite a bit of children uh, over those two years. So, so what was, what was that like? Because I mean, I think chemistry is everything and the chemistry you had with the children uh, was, was undeniable. Um, so what was it like working, working with the kids? Well, it was different with each group. We had three sets of children in the two years um, mm -hmm. and children grow. <laughs> and so it's, you become a family and especially the first year, it was my first experience with the tour. So I had a very special bond with my first group of kids that I was with. And when they grew and it was time to move on to the other chapters and it was really hard to see them go. And I remember meeting our new children and there was something so special about them that you connected with them in a different way. And you had to recognize that the relationships weren't going to be the same. And you really had to take the time to create those individual relationships with each child. Um, and also the important factor of they are your coworkers and creating that fine line. You know, I am an aunt to two awesome kids that are around the same age of the Von Trapp children that I was working with, but it was, I did have to create that barrier of when we're at work, we are at work. And when I have a job to do, I can't be off in the wings, goofing around with the kids. They had a child mm -hmm. wrangler. So respecting them and their, their need to be mm -hmm. professional actors and, but yeah. also giving them love and support and remembering that they are kids. And sometimes Gretel is really tired and needs you to pick her up and give her a mm -hmm. hug to get on stage or yeah. moments of, the kids are really teary-eyed because it's their last week of shows and they have to leave. And how do we navigate to bring it to full energy and as if nothing is potentially wrong or heartbreaking in that moment? And it created some really wonderful moments on stage. And we've had a few hiccups from time to time and we've been able to laugh at it and hopefully not breaking on stage too many times. But all in all, these these kids, they they taught me so much about what who I am as an actor and as a human the type of mom that I want to be one day and mm -hmm. you know I'm still in touch with a lot of the kids today or I follow them on Instagram and I check in yeah. from time to time and they're all very good kids with very wonderful families and they were all very deserving of the opportunity so it teaches you a lot as as mm -hmm. an adult and actor and to have patience and appreciation but also having come from being a Von Trapp child once upon yeah. a time um, I, I, I could very easily relate with them. And it was very important yeah. for me to have those individual relationships and handshakes with the boys if, if that's what we needed and girl time and hair braiding and mm -hmm. all that good stuff. And there is one moment we were on a travel day and I said to the moms, I said, moms, go get lunch. We had a layover. I said, I'm taking the kids. We're going to have lunch. We're going to have a picnic. Mm -hmm. And I hung out with all the kids. So finding the time to be with yeah. them, interacting them was very important for me. Yeah. And I think that's incredible because I don't know that a lot of actors or actresses would have taken the amount of time that you did to connect with the kids. Um, when I when I, I, I mentioned doing the full money, I, I wanted to share this with you. Um, the actor who played my father, his name uh, was Larry Buzio, and uh, I was 11. Um, and and so that's I'm tw I'm about to turn 24 next week. And um, 
we're still in touch to this day. Um, I, I, uh, I, I'm an act, I'm a writer and director as well. And I did a feature film uh, that I wrote, directed and starred in. And I knew that I wanted him to play my father. So I reached out to him and, and we worked that out. He lives about five hours away, but uh, we worked it out for him to, to come be involved in the film. He got to play my father. And, 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 and I hadn't seen him since I was 11. We've always just communicated via, you know, phone calls or Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. Um, and uh, that chemistry was still there. So um, I, I know how important he has been in my life. Uh, so I, I, I definitely just wanted to take the time to tell you, uh, I hope you realize how important you are to each one of those kids' lives. Thank you. They're important to me too. I mean, absolutely. They're the future of this industry. Yeah. I was one of those kids and it's important. It's important to yeah. mentor them and to nurture them and, and to show them what being a professional is all about because they are talented and they, they're on their way for sure. So, so when, when, you, uh, when, when you were a Von Trapp kid, you're Maria. Did she have the opportunity to see you on as Maria? She did. Where did she see... I mean, whew, two years, a lot of venues. I, yeah. I believe she did see it. There's actually yeah. a photo um, early on in the process, and this was another surreal moment for me. I was contacted in our, for, in our week of rehearsals and they asked me, hey, you're gonna go to Broadway headquarters, Broadway.com headquarters, mm -hmm. and you're gonna film a music video. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's what Broadway people do and I'm, I'm nobody. <laughs> that, that was the last time I thought of myself as a nobody. I think it's really important to be like, no, I am somebody. Yeah. I am Joe Christine Wiley and I am performing on the side of music and giving yourself that credit and acknowledging, yeah. not, not high and mighty, but giving yourself sure. the credit. And there is a photo that her daughter took of her watching that music video and just, wow and just the sense of pride that she had and her being my very first voice teacher when I was a young child and our families are still in touch to this day and um, so I think it was really really special that she was able to be there and I've had a lot of mentors in my life and all who were able to get to see the show and if if it was coming to a nearby town I would reach out to them and say if they have kids can you get a babysitter I will get you a ticket I, I want mm -hmm. you in the audience because it's yeah. important for me to give you this thank you in the form of a performance. Right. So it's a really special opportunity to have that, so. And since, since you mentioned Broadway World, I think it's uh, important to say that you won a Broadway World Award. I did, yeah, it was. Which is amazing. Um, and well, I think the more <laughs> incredible factor is the women that I was nominated with. Right. Um, we're talking big Broadway names <laughs> on national tours and yeah. uh, the fact that I was recognized in Seattle, which is also a very big theatrical mm. city, um, yeah. was something pretty remarkable. And um, it's one of those things where you don't have a trophy, but you just know that it's there. And, and yeah. the people that you are nominated with, it's, it kind of creates the impossible to be the impossible of things that you didn't realize yeah. would be something for you. So it keeps you charged and going yeah. for sure. It's something to be very proud of. Yeah, absolutely. We are. My mom and dad yeah. are. So, that awesome. <laughs> so after two years of uh, of being in Sound of Music, it came to a close. So what was that night like? What was what was closing night like for you? Oh, well, the official closing of our tour and saying so long farewell was was a bittersweet one. Mm -hmm. um, 
I did about 467 performances. Ooh. I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I do re mi or those high notes at the end and the yeah. solfege, but uh, it was one of those of being prepared and ready for it. I would miss the cast. Um, I was ready to not be living out of a suitcase for the for the last two years. I missed. I have an apartment in New York City, and I have a dog, so I was I was ready to be back in my life and reconnect with yeah. family and friends and loved ones. And um, so that aspect was, I was ready. Um, but the show, I mean, if you ask me to go and re up with the tour tomorrow, I mean, I would say, great. What city am I landing in? You know, I right. I I so I am just so inspired by the music of Rodgers and Hammerstein and the story and this message and it is so relevant today. Uh, so closing night, we actually closed in Toronto and oh, wow. the audiences were amazing. Everybody was just giving it their all and all of their heart. And you could tell there was a shift in the performances of we're really taking this in. And 400 some performances later, you never think that you would hear a line differently, but right. you do. And it resonates with you and the audience in a different way and, and the, the response that you're getting from them. Um, we had a lovely closing night party and we, we were able to celebrate with our creative team and really kind of go out with a bang. And um, it was a very tearful plane ride home for me. And I just really focused on living in the moment and right cherishing it and coming out to the stage door of the seven Von Trapp wings or we, I think we had more than seven because we had some mm -hmm. wonderful understudies too. Yeah. Um, just crying and this giant group hug. It's moments mm -hmm. that I won't forget in a hurry for sure. So. Well, I hope I have the opportunity to see you as Maria again. Uh, I think. Thank I'm, you. I'm I sure, hope so too. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll end up, uh, you know, being revived on Broadway at some point. It's been, it's been quite a while and I would love to see you in that role on Broadway. I think that'd be incredible. Thank you. I, I, yeah. I hope for the opportunity to do so because I'll tell you what, it is, it is a show that teaches you the type of person that you want to be. And yeah, the line that I, I spoke to Liesl in the second act, you know, I now know how to spend my love. Mm. It's kind of the message of the show. How do we spend our love and the yeah. love of music, the love of family, of, of a father and his children and finding new love after the loss of love. I mean, it's, it's a remarkable story and not to mention the political aspect and how yeah. relevant it is in today's world. And Sound of Music for so many people, it's their first theatrical experience or for some their last. And for me, it was my first and look where I am now. I mean, yeah. it, it's one of those things that can lead you into this industry. And um, it has a very important message for sure. So being yeah, being out of it almost a year now, right? Oh, just about a year? Crazy enough, yes. But do you, do you find yourself uh, driving around singing some of the songs that just pop up in your head or are they still there? You know, I was, uh, I was getting ready the other morning and randomly lonely goat herd was a very speech text heavy song yeah. yodeling and yeah. i found myself in my head like as i was singing it uh, oh i still remember the blocking <laughs> which is <laughs> i go maybe because it was so in invested that you wouldn't yeah. and uh, sound of music was always the hardest song for me to sing because it was it really? was very involved and and mm. That is that is how the first time we see Maria, and so it was a very big responsibility for me. And mm -hmm. 
I thought at the end, I think I'll be okay if I don't sing this song for a little while because it was very high stakes and I put a lot of pressure on myself. And now I find myself just reminiscing and singing it around the house and having this appreciation for it. And um, I'm really good friends with a lot of my castmates and, and getting together with them is always really special from time to time. So that's our opportunity to reminisce. And mm-hmm. um, I sometimes spiral down through the photos and yeah. uh, just thinking of memories. And I'm actually just now in quarantine getting around <laughs> to writing out my journal and uh, going wow. through moments that I don't want to forget and hopefully share with yeah. my one day so yeah that's amazing so you were you were set to uh to play uh i forget who i i read it but i don't remember who you were you were gonna be in titanic uh there there in your hometown yeah so i mean my i've worked at regional and community theaters in, in lancaster and in my teenage years i well no child through teenage years i was a working actor and performing in understudy roles and at the Fulton Theater. And the last show I had done at the Fulton was actually The Sound of Music, where I understudied Liesl. And then I Mm -hmm. went off to college. And based on the theater gods and where it led me, it just hasn't led me back to the Fulton until this time. Mm -hmm. And what a relevant show and message, Mm -hmm. sail on uh, in today's current situation that we are all in with COVID-19. We would have been getting ready to close up the show about this time. So I was planning on coming home to start rehearsals. And then in the time that I had come home, they had to postpone the shows, the theater doors were closed and uh, it was heartbreaking, but hearts were breaking everywhere. So I I understood and I was hopeful that we can reschedule till later. And so as of now, the show is rescheduled for the fall, September, October timeframe. Um, and we're keeping our fingers crossed and, and are hopeful that everyone is safe and things are on the upswing to do so. Um, I was to play multiple roles. We were going to be doing okay. an ensemble edition of the show. Okay. And this is a show that is, you know, has been trying to be revived on Broadway for many years now. Every season we hear buzz of it. And I think it is long overdue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really looking forward to what the Fulton was going to be doing with it. I was playing, I am playing, I am <laughs> playing <laughs> Murphy, uh, Domenico. So I would be a dancing role at one point. I'm playing one of the three Irish third-class passenger girls and Spinning. all over, all over yeah. the place really. But yeah. because it is an ensemble version, you know, in listening to the score and looking at the original Broadway team and, and the cast members, I go, oh, this is a show full of leads. Yeah. And, and, and it just creates a whole new version of what an ensemble is. And so I feel it's going to be one glorious entreact when, we, when the theaters are open and we are in front of an audience there. It's, it's probably going to be, and I'm hoping that it is one of those experiences that is going to be just irreplaceable. I mean, it's, I'm very much so looking forward to it and, and being a part of that company. And I don't know how I will react when I walk out on that stage for the first time. Um, And in this industry, you know, you make a lot of friends and you are revisited with the opportunity to work with some of the same people again. So I was, I'm looking forward to going into this contract with a few friends that I've made outside of this show uh, in other productions of different, endeavors and um it's 
going to be a really wonderful thing to be able to have friends and family uh, and mentors and past teachers in the audience for the first time in a long while. So that's something pretty special. And I'm, I'm very excited for when that happens. <laughs> I can only imagine how, how electric that, not even the first night, how, how the entire run's going to be, because you all, you all were in this together. You all got the devastating news, you know, yeah. you all are playing the waiting game. And, and I, and I, I can only imagine how all of you are going to connect once you're all back together. And, uh, and, and I'm sure it's just lifelong. You guys will all be lifelong friends. There's just a, there's just a different, there's a shift and there's yeah. this appreciation even more for what we do and certain Broadway shows, it's just, it's devastating where you know that their show will not reopen or they've made the announcement or certain people have, were supposed to make their Broadway debuts that night mm -hmm. or national tours have closed. And yeah. to imagine, I mean, thinking of if this had happened when I was on Sound of Music and yeah. then to know that I wasn't able to go back to be my right. cat, my, my tour family. Yeah. You just never know when it is your last performance. And it really gives you that appreciation of, I value this and I am taking this on with a whole new perspective. And I've recently been doing a lot of online cabaret participation in theaters that I've worked at in the past and reconnecting with these, these souls that are just so wonderful humans and distant family now that mm. I just go, oh, I really one I need to go back there and work again. And I, and I hope that when when the theaters are open that we need to get over there and we need to get back in this theater and however way that they'll have me right. um yeah. it's a deep appreciation for sure yeah a friend of mine um philip boykin from uh his days at the show palace here in florida um he was traveling uh, in the national tour of uh once on this island he did the, oh. he did the broadway production yep. and then he was he, he played tauntaun and uh i just Went, because that show ended up the, the rest of the run is just canceled yes. um, and, and and just how devastated he was was, was just heartbreaking especially because that show is such a beautiful show um, such an important show it, uh, I just yeah. my heart broke for him yeah absolutely um, and I had friends on that show both behind the scenes yeah. and on stage and just how special the show was to them and how amazing of an achievement it was to be cast in the Broadway national tour. And I saw the show on Broadway twice. I went back a second wow. time because it is such a celebration. It's such a beautiful yeah. message. And it's, it's hard when audiences are unfortunately deprived of the opportunity to be in right. the houses to see these shows, but. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like, cause I, I was supposed to go to New York to see, um, I love the Evan Hansen. Uh, mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite shows on Broadway right now. I was going to go see uh, Jordan Fisher as, yeah. as Evan Hansen and uh, I couldn't go see it and, and I, just based on his schedule I'm sure he probably won't be rejoining the cast uh, as as it opens but uh, I just it, it's just so heartbreaking to see all these actors maybe miss out on roles they're supposed to take or the runs cut short um, but I think I think it's a reminder to be uh, you know to live in the moment as you said before and just be grateful and happy for where you are uh, I just think it's, a, it's an amazing reminder of all of that. It's, it's a sense of camaraderie. I mean, we, we all know what each other is going through. And right. so we're lifting each other up and supporting each other and, and just kind of taking it day by day as we can and knowing that it will be a process in getting back mm -hmm. up on our feet, but we will. And eventually those theaters are going to be filled and we won't 
ever take it for granted again, I don't think. Yeah. I think this has been a very big wake up call for a lot of us. And we are having, we are forced to be creative in other ways and, and outlets and connecting with people. And, and I think it's a really important time and it, it's a very difficult situation to go through, but good will come from this. And yeah. um, we will be back again at some point when the time is allowed. Right, right, right. So uh, throughout, throughout this uh, discussion we've had, uh, I feel like I've realized something. Um, I, uh, I, I wrote a short film that I feel like you'd be perfect for. So <laughs> off camera, off camera, I think I need to talk to you and get in touch with your manager about that for when all this is, is over with, uh, takes place in New York. So that, that'd be, that'd be, I think you'd oh, be wonderful for it. I am there. So. <laughs> um, and this is the awesome thing where it's, yeah. it's artists connecting and, and, you know, sharing their their projects and collaborating. I mean, it's it's a pretty awesome network that we have of people. So, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, I did skip ahead of something uh, that I meant to talk talk about, so we can just talk about it uh, quickly. But uh, you you've had the opportunity to teach some master classes, and, and and what are some things that you really enjoy about teaching? Oh, it just it's like an electric charge for me of of creativity in a different way. And it creates this opportunity kind of selfishly for me of, oh, yeah. I've never thought about this in this way for myself. And then when I go to attack material, it's, it's very different. I love working with students. I love working with people of all ages and, and backgrounds and involvement in the arts, whether it's their first class and they are nervous as all get out to, they are a seasoned pro and you can tell. Um, yeah. There's nothing better than helping a young artist in their journey and helping them discover their material on their own and just right. sort of helping guide them. Um, it's, it's such a rewarding experience on all levels. And it's just something that I love, I love to do. I've had young artists reach out to me on social media from time to time asking me if, they, if I could coach them on their college auditions. And that to me is just an, mm -hmm. honestly an honor yeah. that they feel that I would be someone to help them. And I've had so many wonderful teachers and mentors in the past that have helped be the stepping stones to get me to where I am today. So it feels like um, paying it forward to the next yeah. group of artists out there. And um, I always tell them, you know, it, it's not about us, it, it's bigger than us. And it's so important to continue to lift each other up and to help each other discover because at the end of the day, we're not competing against each other, we are competing against our best selves. And right. um, it's, it's a really wonderful experience to just be able to share what I've learned with them and for them to take that and mold it to, to help them in their next journey and their next chapter. I'm sure your your parents are incredibly proud of everything you've accomplished, but I can only imagine how how proud your your father feels as a teacher himself to then see you, uh, you know, kind of kind of take that on and, and and teach yourself. And I, I can only imagine that how amazing that is for him. For sure, and I am very fortunate to have two very wonderful and supportive, loving parents. Not everyone in our industry has that, right. um, and. I, I know that it can be difficult at times for people to financially be able to afford funding for, for classes that they want to take or yeah. trying to make ends meet. And, and sometimes they end up not being able to 
well, I, I can't even audition because how am I supposed to pay my rent if I can't work? And how am I supposed to call off on my shift because I'll lose my job? And um, I have financially supported myself for many years, but I know that my parents are always there to say, are you doing okay? Do you need help? We've got you. If you fall, we will push you back up for it if need be. Um, on so many different levels of just yeah. phone calls of, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And just this support system of like, we're, we're in your cheering crowd and we know that you can because you have and you need to keep soldiering on and, and get through this because you will. So I'm very, very fortunate to have my parents and to have been raised in a musical family as well. Yeah, that's, that's truly beautiful. Um, so, so before we wrap it up, I, I guess I'll just ask, um, what advice would you have for any aspiring actors, actresses who, who may, maybe they don't fully believe in themselves or maybe they, they're like questioning whether or not they could even do it. What, what advice would you give to them? Boy, <laughs> I, I would tell them, I would tell them that you will, you will make mistakes. Um, you will fail from time to time. Things won't go your way. Um, and that is part of this industry. And that is something that we have to be ready to, to work through. Um, I don't think we will ever, ever not be in a place where, you know, we've, we figured out the magic recipe of success in this industry. Um, but, I know that kindness, genuine kindness gets you a long way and people want to work with good, genuine people. And yeah. sometimes the person that you know you don't have a good rapport with gets the role and you're like, but, but I'm more talented than her or gosh, this person is not the nicest human being. Hang tight. The universe has a way of working things out. There are so many outlets and opportunities to be involved in this industry, whether it is on or off stage. And people will always remember how you treated them. And that will lead to people wanting to work with you. The amount of times that I've gone into an audition and I feel that I've booked a role because a previous director of mine has been brought up. And no. you want people to not only be singing your praises, but to say, this is a good person you want to work. Trust me, you want to work yeah. with this person. And again, you know, as I said, we will make mistakes, but that's, that's how we learn and that's how we grow and we get better in our artistry. And I have, of course, made my fair share of mistakes and we'll probably make a few more, or have a few bumps along the way, but it really teaches you who you want to be in this industry and to put your best foot forward and um, to always be growing and learning and knowing that that is never, that's never done. You know, it's a process. As artists, we are always striving for, for better, but I think we should be striving to just continue to grow rather than being the very best version. We need to continue to strive to be growing in, in a whole and knowing that it is a journey and it's a process and uh, kindness will get you a long way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for offering your advice and thank you so much for, for uh, joining us on the podcast and uh, hope you had a lot of fun. I did. Uh, I that was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I hope whatever word vomit came out of my mouth, someone can take <laughs> away and, and use to their advantage and help them see wherever the direction they need to go. <laughs> well, I'm sure, I'm sure you inspired and motivated a lot of people. I know you inspired and motivated me. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I, this was great. This was truly great. 
Well, thank you very much, uh, LJ, and it was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely, and you as well. All right, guys, so that is another episode of Starving Artist. Uh, you know, everybody give Jill a round of applause from home, uh, and uh, we will we'll see you guys next week.